Well, good morning, everyone. I'm Pastor Tom. For those of you who don't know, I want to welcome those of you who have joined us online, and thank you for being with us today. And we pray that you will be blessed as well by being uh, present with us as best you can today. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for all of you who are here as well in person with us. And today I want to begin with a story about a lady named Mikal Dikal. Mikal grew up in a Jewish family in Israel, and she remembers her father as a quiet, distant, and non-communicative person. And she resented him for many years because of this. But then she began to research his story. She knew that he was a Polish Jew and that most Polish Jews who lived during the time of World War II died in the Holocaust. And so she wondered about his survival. How did he survive? And she discovered that he, along with his younger sister, were sent with a thousand other children from eastern Poland to Tehran in Iran. And eventually they were sent to what was then called Palestine, modern-day Israel, arriving in 1943. And though surviving the Holocaust and safe from it, these children had endured a lot of trauma and stress in their journey. Her father was 13 when this occurred. His sister was eight years old. Their parents had to stay behind, so at the age of 13, her father is suddenly a caregiver to his younger sister. Imagine the disorientation and alienation they went through. They are removed from their home. They have to leave their parents behind. They are removed from their homeland. And by the time they arrive in Israel, they have not been to school for three or four years. So they are far behind children their same age. They also don't speak the language. So they live almost as orphans, not knowing the fate of their parents. They struggle immensely to adjust. And at that time, no one knew about post-traumatic stress disorder. People just expected these children to get on with their lives and be thankful for their survival. Yet many shocks and surprises along this journey took their toll on her father. And by the time she had finished her research, her heart towards him had completely changed. You can find the story of in her book entitled Tehran Children, a Holocaust Refugee Odyssey. The alienation and disorientation of that journey permanently impacted her father, even though he escaped the Holocaust. Now you and I might not have escaped the Holocaust or faced something like that, but some life experiences that we have can bring us into a time of alienation or disorientation in our lives where something unexpected happens and comes along into our life and it moves us from the life is pretty normal crowd to life is disorienting. And the people in the life is pretty normal crowd will have difficulty relating to us because of what we're going through. Say a serious health concern enters into your family. Maybe you or your, someone in your family is diagnosed with a serious illness or disease and you deal with the shock of the diagnosis and then you begin to learn about the disease and then you begin to gain, gather the information about what's involved in the treatment and then someone comes along and asks you how you're doing. 
and you don't even know where to begin. Or say a loved one dies. Spouse, parent, child, close friend, close relative. And you experience the alienation of, of life without that person. And others who have not had that experience may have little or no idea how they can comfort or help you. So you maybe avoid social gatherings for the first time in your life. Because you're afraid that someone might ask something that will unleash a flood of tears. Or someone in your family goes through serious mental health or behavioral problems. And everything looks normal when you sit in your spot on on Sundays. But no one knows the struggle and pain that you've experienced just this past week to make it through. And you feel like an outsider. Or you lose your job, or you're without work, and you experience the strangeness of not having to get up in the, up, up in the morning to go to work. And you, and you know you knew, need to do the work of looking for work, but you keep getting rejected, or there's not a job in your field, or you struggle, and, and, and life feels abnormal after decades of work. And I think about people who used to be part of our church family who could join us every week and then a health issue comes along or an aging, aging issue happens and suddenly they're no longer part of us. They, they are confined to their room. They're confined to their bed. They're confined to their home and they've lost their church community through, through no fault of their own and the church just goes on and they struggle to find community maybe in their facility, maybe in, 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 in some other place. Or, or, or maybe you're struggling with your faith, really struggling, and you have serious questions, but you're afraid that if you ask those questions in the circles you're now in, you'll just be judged, condemned, told to get over it. So you carry on as if you're settled in your belief, yet you feel more distant from others who seem so assured. And there are so many other situations or examples of alienation from the normal crowd. Say you as a couple couldn't have children or you didn't have children in the expected time frame or someone in your family lives an openly rebellious life against you or against the Lord or you or some loved one has special needs most cannot relate to. And when these times come into our lives we may wonder about God. What is God doing when we go through times of alienation or disorientation? And questions and confusions flood our minds as we try to come to grips with this new situation that is part of our life reality now. And today, we are going to get some answers to that question by looking at some people who also had gone through a time of tremendous alienation and disorientation. And they are the exiles, Ezekiel's countrymen who live with him in the region of Babylon. They are refugees, outcasts, and displaced people. To be in exile meant you had experienced banishment, deportation, expulsion, and separation. And the exiles in Ezekiel's community had experienced all of this. They were captives that the Babylonians moved to the region around their capital. They had no choice in the matter, and they lost everything. Their homes, their possessions, 
their land, they weren't on their land, and they had little hope of returning home for it was a 1400 kilometer journey by foot or four months through harsh, harsh travels. And in addition to their personal experience of exile, they experienced a collective spiritual exile for they were alienated from their homeland and the temple. They no longer lived in the promised land. They could no longer go to the temple where God dwelt on earth. And then they get this news that the citizens of Jerusalem, those who are their countrymen who remain behind, are starting to write them off. Saying that the exiles are, are unclean. They're living in a Gentile or Jewish land. They're never coming back and so we can take their land. And during all this alienation, Ezekiel's fellow exiles must have wondered, what is God doing? Yet God had not forgotten them. He speaks words of hope and comfort to Ezekiel to pass on to the exiles and we will see the Lord's actions and promises to his exiled people and to you and I when we face times of disorientation and alienation in our lives. And then we're going to think about how we can reconnect with God or stay connected to him as we go through these times of disorientation. And from the Lord's words today, my prayer is that you will receive comfort from him for any alienating experience or reality that you're going through right now. So our text today is Ezekiel 11. Ezekiel 11, and it's verses 14 to 25. If you don't have a Bible and you're here with us today, it's on page 594 in the Bibles in front of you, and it's at the bottom right of that page, starting in verse 14. And this is Ezekiel narrating for us. He's narrating for us what the Lord said to him. So Ezekiel 11, verse 14. And the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, your brothers, even your brothers, your kinsmen, the whole house of Israel, all of them, are those of whom the inhabitants of Jerusalem have said, go far from the Lord. To us this land is given for a possession. Therefore say, thus says the Lord God, though I removed them far off among the nations and though I scattered them among the countries, yet... I have been a sanctuary to them for a while in the countries where they have gone. Therefore say, thus says the Lord God, I will gather you from the peoples and assemble you out of the countries where you have been scattered and I will give you the land of Israel. And when they come there, they will remove from it all its detestable things and all its abominations. And I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them and they shall be my people and I will be their God. But as for those whose heart goes after their detestable things and their abominations, I will bring their deeds upon their own heads, declares the Lord God. Then the cherubim lifted up their wings with the wheels beside them and the glory of the God of Israel was over them and the glory of the Lord went up from the midst of the city and stood on the mountain that is on the east side of the city and the spirit lifted me up and brought me in the vision 
by the Spirit of God into Chaldea to the exiles. Then the vision that I had seen went up from me, and I told the exiles all the things that the Lord had shown me. So this is the conclusion of the vision that started at the beginning of chapter 8. And the Lord appears to Ezekiel again in verse, verse 14. And here we discover that Ezekiel's entire family, his entire family has been exiled along with him. His brothers, for the Lord mentions his blood brothers, his blood brothers, along with the whole community in exile. And the Lord reveals what the citizens of Jerusalem are saying about their countrymen. And so we see it in verse 15, go far from the Lord, to us this land is given. Which means, basically, the people in Jerusalem were writing off their countrymen and concluding they had abandoned the Lord. They had gone far from the Lord. After all, they were living in a, in a, a land that was not the promised land. They were not able to worship at the temple anymore. And so they concluded, well, you've gone far from the Lord. Go farther. But since you're gone, we can take your land as a possession. And it seems like they concluded that the exiles had been cursed by God, forsaken by him, and therefore they could take all their stuff. And can you imagine how discouraging that would be for the exiles? As, you know, caravans and traders come and they say, oh yeah, this is what they're saying about you in Jerusalem. Their, their fellow citizens have abandoned them. Their fellow citizens are accusing them of forsaking the Lord. They hear their land is being stolen. And during times of alienation, people in the normal crowd can say things that make us feel even more alienated. They may not steal our property, but they may write us off or exclude us or no longer call us or avoid us because they don't know what to say or they're just not comfortable with our situation. And the Lord acknowledges the pain that these exiles feel. But then he reveals his action during their alienation. Verse 16, Therefore say, thus says the Lord God, though I removed them far off from among the nations and though I scattered them among the countries, yet I have been a sanctuary to them for a while in the countries where they have gone. And so here's the first piece of good news today. What is God doing when we go through times of alienation? He remains present with us. He himself was a sanctuary for the exiles. And he is an ever-present sanctuary for us. The word sanctuary means shelter. Refuge, protection, immunity. And this sanctuary statement is quite surprising in light of the fact that everyone knew where the sanctuary was. The temple was in Jerusalem, 1,500 kilometers away. Yet last week we saw the pervasive idolatry that was going on in the temple and around it. It was no sanctuary or refuge for the people. They could only find that in the Lord and here the Lord reveals that they don't have to go to Jerusalem to find sanctuary he comes to them he is sanctuary for them whatever they face wherever they are the Lord 
goes to the unclean land to be present with his people. The Lord will leave his defiled temple in Jerusalem to come near his people in distant lands. And the people in Jerusalem thought they were blessed by God because they could just look up and see the temple. Yet they misunderstood that sanctuary was not found in a place, it was found in a person, in God himself, who is not bound in place. Now think about your and my life when we go through times of alienation. Though people may struggle to comfort us or care for us or be with us, the Lord remains present with us. He is a sanctuary no matter what we face. Nothing is too difficult, too horrible, too dangerous, or too perplexing for him to draw near. And in Jesus, we see this reality. He went through the most difficult, horrible, dangerous, and perplexing journey of anyone in all of history. He goes to the cross, and there he defeats our three great enemies, death, the devil, and our sins. So do not imagine that your alienating circumstance is too much for God. Do not conclude that God sits perplexed, wondering what to do about your circumstances. Don't believe the enemy's lies that God doesn't care about you, that God has abandoned you, that God doesn't have your best in mind. The Lord remains present with his people no matter what comes our way. And that's the first piece of good news the Lord has for the exiles and for us today. But he goes on. Not only is the Lord presently a sanctuary with us, but he also makes plans and has a future for us and for the exiles. Verse 17, therefore say, thus says the Lord God, I will gather you from the peoples and assemble you out of the countries where you have been scattered and I will give you the land of Israel. So somehow the Lord would gather up and bring back his people to their land. And this actually happened 125 years later. In the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, exiles returned to Jerusalem. And they returned to ruins. For the people that are in Jerusalem think they're secure, but they're going to be overrun by the Babylonians in less than six years. And they will completely destroy the city. And they will burn down the temple. And they will knock down the walls. And if you were with us in the fall and we went through the book of Nehemiah, you remember Nehemiah going back and gathering people together to rebuild the walls, which was a basic requirement for any ancient city to survive. Walls. Exiles return to build Jerusalem's walls because of God's intervention. And this promise extends beyond the initial return from exile. In fact, it, it makes a beautiful picture of what God does with us in drawing us to himself. He goes to all regions and to all places and brings us from whatever situation we are in life, wherever we are living, and brings us to himself. I mean, think about all of you today, where you grew up, where you came from, and now God has us here together. And, and this is the work of God, bringing his people from all different places to gather as one 
under him. And that's God's goal, to be with his people. And when Jesus returns, we will collectively live under his reign on the new heaven and earth. And this can also help us navigate alienation in our lives. We may see things that come into our lives as obstacles to our goals and to our life trajectory, but the Lord sees them as gates that can open up to his pathway for us. He takes the hard realities of life and he can bring something good out of them. But he doesn't call bad things good, which sometimes I think Christians and preachers make the mistake of of doing and trying to comfort people. The sudden death of a loved one in an accident is not a good. A serious disease is not a good. A fractured relationship or a devastating situation is not a good. However, God can bring some good out of it. God can use it for our good. God can be glorified through it. God can use it to bless others. And we need to remember this because sometimes our fears do become reality. And we ask questions. We wonder, where was God when my loved one took their life? Where was he when that accident took my loved one's life or health or my health? Where was he when I was abused? Where is he when he and his sins are committed? Tough, real, painful questions. And with these challenges, it may help us first to look at Jesus himself. Who knows what it's like to live with unanswered prayer. He experienced that. He knows still the pain of unanswered prayer. When he asked, is there another way that can be found to save your people, O Father? If it is possible, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. So Jesus knows what it's like to live with and live through the pain of unanswered prayer. And and that might be a comfort for us. But, but, But the other reality is the two things we've already discovered today, that God remains with us as a sanctuary and that God has plans and a future for us, remain true even in these tough situations that we've talked about. God remains present as a sanctuary through terrible situations. God remains committed to us and to our future through terrible times. He's committed to you, to your healing to renewal, to justice, to purpose, to hope. And he has the power to bring good out of any difficulty that we face. So please hear me. I am not saying trusting God means everything will turn out to be okay, according to our definition of okay. Hard stuff happens, yet God remains present with us and committed to us while we sit in the middle of it. So what is God doing when we go through seasons of alienation? He remains close to us 
as our sanctuary. He works on his plans and future for us. He never stops working, as we just sang. And thirdly, he gives us new hearts to enable us to walk more closely with him. Verse 19, and I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them and they shall be my people and I will be their God. Now the mess that the Israelites found themselves in happened because they failed to follow God's ways. They had walked according to their own ways for centuries and God had been sending prophets and it was not going to work to say, okay, people, just try a little harder. No, they needed totally new hearts. They had hearts of stone. They were hardened to the ways of God. They resisted his good and loving commands. They needed heart transplants. And the Lord promises hearts of flesh, hearts that are sensitive to the things of God when they would desire to follow God's ways and walk closely with him. And this is new covenant language. This points to the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. So those hearing this initially or reading Ezekiel's words had hundreds of years to wait before the fulfillment of this promise. And yet, it did not mean that God was unfaithful. This promise served as hope for the people looking forward to the hearts of flesh God would bring. And I think we can learn a couple of lessons from this. The first one is we have to at times take back or take a step back and look at things from a, an eternal perspective. You know, we look at our lives and something has gone wrong and we want God to make it right tonight. And we think, you know, if I wait a week, that's, that's enough. God should answer me and solve my issue within a week. And, and people throughout the Bible had to wait for answers and solutions and, and, and breakthroughs in their lives, sometimes for years, sometimes for decades, sometimes they never saw it in their lifetime. But that didn't mean that God was unfaithful. God would fulfill his word either within a lifetime or ultimately, when you think especially of situations of injustice, sometimes the justice doesn't come in this lifetime, but it certainly will. So we need to take the eternal view of things sometimes to help us gain perspective, not think, God, you've got to solve my life issue in five days. That's one thing. And secondly, notice this was a promise, a hope to the readers of Ezekiel, but we already have this. We are heirs of this promise. We, if you're a Christian here today, have a new heart. You have received the Spirit who empowers us and fills us to walk with God and His ways. And our, our work, our, our job is to cooperate with the Spirit's work, to regularly come to God, to confess our sins, to seek His ways, to walk humbly before Him, and then we experience the reality that we are God's people and he is our God. So, if I had to summarize this passage for the exiles and for you and me, I would summarize it like this. Despite the alienation of exile, the Lord remains present and committed 
to his people. He remains present as our sanctuary. He commits to us with plans and a future for us. And he gives us a new heart of flesh. So, how do we stay connected or reconnect to God when we go through these times of alienation? And all of this is on the back page of the bulletin if you have a copy of that or you can go onto the website if you're watching online and you can get a copy of the bulletin there. So you don't have to write all this down. All the verses are there. But maybe one of these is the word that God has for you today. If you're going through a time of alienation or disorientation or the next time you do, maybe one of these is what he has to say to you. One, remember, the Lord promises his presence with us repeatedly throughout the Bible. Deuteronomy 31.6 Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Or Joshua 1.5 As I was with Moses so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Or Matthew 28, 20, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age, says Jesus. So maybe we need to remember the promise of the Lord's presence. Maybe we need to rest in the Lord's compassion for us. Matthew 9, 36, when he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Or Matthew 11, 28 and 30, where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Or 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 and 4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions or maybe today you need to receive the Lord's peace not just personal peace the Lord's peace peace from the Lord John 14 27 peace I leave with you my peace I give to you not as the world gives do I give to you let not your hearts be troubled neither let them be afraid or Philippians 4, 6 and 7, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Or maybe... You need to trust or have a renewed trust that the Lord loves you and is working all things out for your good. Psalm 55, 22, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. Or Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who are called according to his purpose. Or maybe you don't know what to do in the situation that you're in. So you need to seek the Lord's wisdom and guidance for whatever you face. Like in Psalm 23, 1. A verse we know so well 
and we skip over. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want or I lack nothing. Nothing for whatever you need to go forward in life. Or Psalm 37, 3 to 5, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. Or maybe you're not in a time of disorientation right now. But you have been through those times well, then maybe you need to share the Lord's comfort with others going through alienation. And again, 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So if you've been comforted through your alienation, pass on the comfort from the Lord to others who are going through it. And all this is available for believers. Some of you might not be believers here today. You've never received this new heart from the Lord. How might that change? You need to come to the Lord, acknowledge who he is. Yeah, you are, Lord, Jesus, God of the universe. You are who you said you are, and I am a sinner. And I've been trying to live my own way with my own heart of stone. And I need a new heart, Lord. And so you come humbly to him. And then God, through your faith, gives you a new heart of flesh and adopts you into his family. And you begin the journey of becoming one of God's children, of being one of God's children, and he being your God. And so if you want to do that, you can do that when we pray in a moment. And for believers here, finally, if you're going through alienation right now. Remember, the Lord remains as your sanctuary. The Lord continues his plans and future for you. The Lord has already given you a new heart. So let us bring those alienated situations to him now as we pray. So as we close our eyes, bow our heads, I, I want to invite you to lift up to the Lord or to to bring to mind maybe something in your life right now, some situation, some hardship that is dominating your thinking when you let it happen, when you let that happen, or maybe it's so prevalent that you can hardly do anything else. You're just trying to adjust to the news or, or deal with this reality, whatever it is. Just, just lift that maybe in one or two words to the Lord in your spirit just lift that situation before him now and Lord God we uh, 
Everyone here has something. Trouble or perplexity or brokenness. Illness. Loneliness. Unanswered questions that may hinder us, that we're trying to adjust to, that we're trying to figure out how do we go forward in some way in light of this new thing or ongoing thing that's been in my life for weeks or years. And you know, Lord, you know it all. So we speak against in Jesus' name today any lies of the enemy that you don't care, that you don't love, that you've abandoned. We remember that you are our ongoing, ever-present sanctuary and that you are at work on your plans for our future. And you have our best purposes in, our, in mind. And you are for us. And you are good. And so I pray that you would speak and flood us right now with that knowledge, with that truth of who you are. Spirit, speak to these hearts of flesh the truth of God. And... and if there's anyone here today, Lord, that doesn't know you, draw them to yourself now. If you don't know Christ, call out to him now. Lord, I need you. I need a new heart. I turn away from my old life to you. And we thank you, God, that in the most desperate situation, you are there. You're with us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.